Welcome to California Now, a podcast produced by Visit California. I'm Satirius Johnson. Join me and we'll get to know some of the people, places, and activities that make California one of the world's great travel destinations. Today, we take a tour through a mid-century modern masterpiece, Sunnylands in Rancho Mirage. When visitors walk into the Camp David of the West, they're entering a wonderland of art, architecture, landscape, and history. They have an immediate reaction both to the scale of the space and to the quality of the space, how surprisingly intimate it feels and how aesthetically satisfying it is. And we'll take an unusual look at free and nearly free activities in the Golden State. One of the coolest, joining a live TV audience. If you've always wanted to get on TV, you want to dress sharply. Nice, bright colors, not too many patterns, and those are the folks that get the better seats. Plus, the best fresh oysters in the state. It's all coming up on California Now. In California, there are many examples of the architectural and design movement known as mid-century modern, but perhaps the epicenter is in the Coachella Valley around and within Palm Springs. And there may be no example in that area on the scale of Sunnylands, a 200-acre estate run by the Annenberg Foundation Trust. Everything about Sunnylands seems to be a superlative. Completed in 1966, the home of Walter and Leonore Annenberg hosted celebrities, presidents, and monarchs, and it housed their art collection whose value reached over a billion dollars. And by the time of their deaths, the Annenbergs had become among the greatest philanthropists in American history. The foundation continues to have an important place in the charitable world, and their desert estate is well worth a visit, whether your interest is in history or architecture, politics, or gardening. I'm pleased now to be joined by the director of Sunnyland Center and Gardens, Janice Lyle. Welcome to the California Now podcast. Thank you. So let's begin with the Annenbergs. Who were they? Let's start with Walter. Well, Walter is probably best known as a, a very successful businessman. He inherited his father's company, Triangle Publications, which he made into a communications empire. Um, you would be most familiar with Seventeen Magazine, which he introduced in the 40s, or TV Guide, which was certainly the largest circulation magazine in America for decades. And, and that's how he made his money. Um but then in the 1980s, he sold his company and he decided to devote his time and energy to philanthropy. Tell us a little bit about Leonore. She also has a very interesting background as well. Right. She was raised by her uncle, Harry Cohn, who was the head of Columbia Pictures in Hollywood. So she had a um, experience living in Hollywood in the 30s and 40s. And she was an early graduate of Stanford University, where she had got a degree in political science. And she was one of those women of her era who was able to provide this incredible hospitality and support for the man that she was married to. So how did Sunnylands, their great desert estate, come about? Well, in 1963, they decided that they'd like to um, develop a winter home in the desert. They purchased up to a thousand acres of open, undeveloped desert in the Rancho Mirage area. It's a 25,000 square foot house. It 
um, connects with that desert environment. It uses mid-century modern stylistic elements of the integration of the indoors and the outdoors, um, the use of modern materials, uh, concrete block, glass, steel, and um, and it's unusual in that the modern space that A. Quincy Jones created was filled with furnishings by William Haynes, who had a style called Hollywood Regency. And it that is not typical of mid-century modern furniture design. So you have two differing views connected with the Annenberg's own very strong opinions about art collecting. And together, those three elements make up an incredibly unique place. And on such a scale, too. So you're kind of capturing a moment in time, uh, whether it's design, architecture, um, it's just an incredible place. You, I feel like visiting there, you're kind of almost stepping back into that kind of glamorous mid-century modern time. Well, most of our visitors feel that way as well. When the front doors of Sunnylands open and um, a group walks inside the large atrium and living room, a space that by itself is 6,400 square feet, <laughs> basically the size of five average American homes from the 1960s, <laughs> right. um, it, they, they have an immediate reaction both to the to the scale of the space, but to the quality of the space and how surprisingly intimate it feels and how um, aesthetically satisfying it is, both from the interior design point, from the art point, but looking through the windows to the landscape that surrounds it. And and what about politics and the role that Sunnylands played in hosting politicians and world leaders. There's a very interesting history there as well. Right. So during the Annenberg's lifetime, seven presidents of the United States visited Sunnylands, um, beginning with Eisenhower, President Eisenhower. And um, those presidents, um, some came simply for, a, you know, a social event, but others, particularly uh, President Nixon and then President Ronald Reagan, came often, and President Reagan brought his um, kitchen cabinet, if you will, and pr- and actually did government business at Sunnylands um, during his t- eight-year tenure as president. Uh, you know, visitors uh, come to Sunnylands for its history, of course, but also because of its extraordinary art collection. What portion of their collection remains on display to the public at this point? Well, every single thing that was in the house that is not an Impressionist or post-Impressionist painting remains in the house and is authentic and original. So there's a Rodin sculpture of Eve. There are two beautiful ARP sculptures um, and and a range of um, specialized Chinese cloisonne and, and porcelain objects, as well as Tong figures. Um, but the, the Impressionist and Post-Impressionist paintings are actually represented in the way that they were represented at the end of Mrs. Annenberg's lifetime. So when Walter Annenberg died, those paintings all needed to go to the Met 
um, permanently. And the Metropolitan Museum created digital reproductions on canvas um, in period frames that were to remind Mrs. Annenberg of her beloved paintings for the rest of her life. So those digital reproductions hung for the last seven years in the house um, before Mrs. Annenberg died in 2009. And we made the decision to keep them there because the relationship of all the objects and the furnishings requires some connection to those overwhelmingly important aesthetic works that have been part of the, of the space. So let's talk about how to plan a visit to Sunnylands. How's the best way to go about it? Well, we actually have a public space. It's called the Center and Gardens. It's opened to the public Wednesdays through Sundays from 8.30 in the morning till 4. And you don't need any reservations. You don't have to have planned your visit in that way. Um, we offer access to a movie about the Annenbergs. There are exhibitions. Uh, this year, our special exhibition is about the birds of Sunnylands, the 140 species of birds that are either resident or migratory through our property. Hmm. But we have gardens that you can walk in and uh, a range of public programs, everything from garden walks to yoga to tai chi to family programs. That happens regularly. And the very best way to learn about that is to go to our website, sunnylands.org. So for the visitor center and garden, you're good to go. But for the historic estate tour, to actually go inside the house and experience that interior, you'll need to plan ahead and get one of the limited tickets available, right? We release tickets two weeks before the month that you might want to visit. So on January 15th, for example, all of the February tickets will be released. And at 9 a.m. Pacific time, people throughout the world go <laughs> online and purchase the tickets for the following month. We have a very unique method for touring. We do 18 tours a day. They leave every 15 minutes, but there are only seven people on a tour with a paid guide. And so you have the opportunity to feel like you're a guest of the Annenbergs um, while you go through a 90-minute tour of the estate in the house. That's really great. It almost sounds like you're getting a private tour in a way. You, you quite honestly are. And so um, that's the way you can see the house and the interior and the furnishings, etc. What what is what's the garden like? What are the grounds like? The public side, the center in gardens, is a fifteen acre public space meant to give people the um, aesthetic experience of beauty in the landscape in the desert based on using only arid landscape plants. And so we have 53,000 arid landscape plants that have been um, planted in a design that actually echoes brushstrokes on a canvas. Hmm. And so there's a massing of plants, each with a different color or texture or form, um, that form the the art garden that this is. And so people can come and see that. Um, it changes color every month of the year. It It is an incredibly satisfying um, desert landscape. 
And I've, I've read it, it's considered an art garden as opposed to like a botanical garden. Yes, that's right. So it's not that we have specimens that are hundreds of years old, but instead, and in fact, we don't label the garden because the goal is for people to directly respond to the aesthetics of the plants in mass. You know, it sounds like Sunnylands can be a highlight of any visit to the Palm Springs, Coachella Valley area. So what are some of the other attractions in the area? Well, there are attractions that are here year round, like the Palm Springs Art Museum, which is a really high quality museum, large scale with its architecture and design center. There is the Living Desert. But there are also a series of special events that happen in different months throughout the year. So Modernism Week is the big draw for people who love and care about um, modern architecture and design that happens in February each year. Uh, Coachella um, (laughs) offers a series of, you know, exciting music festivals in April of each year. Um, The tennis tournament comes in March. Um, There's really opportunity for everyone who has a special interest to find a way to satisfy that interest in the desert during the season. And our season essentially is, you know, November to April. At that time of the year, if you're freezing on the East Coast or or in the middle of the country, you could be very excited to come to 80 degree weather on a February morning um, in the desert. So just to wrap things up, what would you like to tell listeners about the Sunnylands experience? We think we've constructed Um, an unusual kind of public access. So when the public comes to the Center and Gardens, which is the jumping off point for any of the tours, etc., they are treated to an experience of art and nature that is central to how we view what the Annenbergs were all about. Um, So they walk into a a contemporary building, they see the framed view of the landscape of the mountains outside um, through this wall of glass. They have um, a public living room that's inviting and warm and offers them um, this opportunity to experience art and nature as opposed to read about it. Sounds like a really great experience. Uh, Janice Lyle is the director of Sunnyland Center and Gardens. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Remember, you'll always find links to the people and places we mention on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. You're listening to California Now. Coming up, they say the best things in life are free. We'll put that to the test with travel legend Pauline Fromer. But first, a culinary treat, fresh oysters. My next guest is Hunter Lewis, editor-in-chief of Food & Wine magazine. Welcome back to the California Now podcast, Hunter. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. You know, we are still a fairly young podcast, but we're starting to develop our own traditions here. And and one of our favorite activities is putting our guests on the spot in a lightning round of rapid-fire questions. So today, we'll be talking about oysters in California, and uh, we'd like to learn about five places to go for amazing oyster experiences. So are you ready, willing, and able? I'm ready, although it's going to be hard to do five. 
because <laughs> there's so many to choose from, right? All right, well, I know you've been exploring some of the great spots for oysters around Tamales Bay, north of San Francisco in Marin County. Uh, so I'm guessing at least one or two uh, there will be making your list of must-visit oyster destinations. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely love Tamales Bay. It's one of my favorite places on earth, one of the most beautiful destinations. And it's a place where um, I used to go on my days off when I, I lived and cooked up in Sonoma County. You know, and so my, my very first stop would be at the Marshall General Store right there on the water, right on the bay. Um, I love all of the oysters there, but especially the barbecued oysters. You can smell them when you're coming in, cooking on the grill, um, and they're great with a cold beer. And then uh, we'll, we'll count it as 1A and 1B. 1B would be <laughs> right next door at, at Hog Island. Uh, it's a great place to take family and friends and, and cook up right there on the water. Love, love Hog Island oysters. That sounds fantastic. Any other special spots in that region? You know, one spot I, I go to every time I'm in San Francisco is Swan Depot. Um, it's an institution. Looks like it when you walk in the doors, it looks like it's been there forever. Everything is super fresh, and uh, I always make a, a, a beeline there and, and the Pacific Heights neighborhood uh, mid morning to wait in line. Um, it starts to form uh, pretty early, and people are there basically eating seafood for breakfast. Uh, but if you get there too late and uh, and the owners like you well enough, uh, they'll, they'll pour you an anchor steam as you wait in line. Uh, I know the, the late great Anthony Bourdain absolutely loved uh, Swan, Swan Oyster Depot, too. I mean, do you have any tips on what all to actually order there when we visit? You can't go wrong, but there is a secret menu uh, that you can order off of. And, and uh, um you know, I think anybody with Google in this day and age can now go find out what that is. Uh, I didn't know about it for <laughs> years, and uh, and and I've never been steered wrong there. So, you know, make sure you get the oysters. Make sure you get um, a, a mixed plate, but and then also I would definitely get the crab louis. Hmm, that sounds delicious. All right, excellent. Um, let's get back to the lightning round, though. We have we have at least two stops left to uh, to hit. Where to next? So definitely going to Connie and Ted's in L.A. Love what Michael Chermoose is doing there. Um, you know, he is a, uh, a New England guy, and it's just a simple and honest seafood check, you know, and everything there is delicious. And are, are the folks in L.A. getting their – where are they getting their oysters from? Are they getting them from up north? Yeah, I think, you know, oysters are coming from everywhere now. Uh, the old strongholds are the northeast and the northwest, uh, but especially as oyster farming has taken hold all over the place – Oysters are becoming increasingly more local. Okay, now where to next? Then we, we're going to hit up the Elney Oyster Bar, also in L.A. in the Silver Lake neighborhood. Um, and there I would do the tower, you know, so not just the oysters uh, from both the Pacific and the Atlantic, but prawns and smoked mussels and, um, and caviar. All right, and uh, we have time for two more. So give us your last two must-hit places for that excellent oyster experience in California. Well, down in L.A., you got to hit another market. So I would go to the Hollywood Farmer's Market, look for the Oyster Boys. Um, they'll be out there shucking fresh oysters. And then I would head down to Addison in San Diego, um, which is probably the most refined of all of the venues that I've been talking about. You know, I think if, if you think about uh, going for a platter of oysters, typically you're talking about a joint. You're talking about uh, something more casual and and. I think what, what Bradley's doing and, and the overall dining experience uh, at Addison, you know, it's it's more refined. It's one of the better places to eat in San Diego. And, you know, I think one of the things we're most taken with is 
are the condiments that he's serving with Kumoda oysters, things like compressed rose apples and cucumber. All right. Excellent stuff. I feel like you gave us the full range of Golden State oyster experiences. Thanks so much for tackling this lightning round. Thanks for having me on. Hunter Lewis is editor-in-chief of Food & Wine magazine, which you can find online at foodandwine.com. Plus, Food & Wine is a must-follow on Instagram for anybody who takes eating seriously. And remember, you'll always find links to the people and places we mention on our website, visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. This is California Now, and I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. We're joined by travel legend Pauline Fromer. In the 1950s, her father, Arthur Fromer, wrote the revolutionary travel guide Europe on $5 a day. She's now co-president of Fromer's Media and joins us to talk about a subject she knows well, enjoying travel opportunities without breaking the bank. Pauline, welcome back to the California Now podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So, you know, when it comes to travel, is it fair to say that the best things in life are free? Oh, darn, you stole my line. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Uh, Often the less one pays, the more one enjoys something. And that's partially because so many nature sites are free. Uh, And what is better than getting out into nature? There's all kinds of scientific studies that show that it's not only fun to do, it may have health benefits in terms of lowering your blood pressure and getting you calmer. Uh, So why don't we all calm down and have free stuff to do on vacation? Before we get into the nature stuff, though, I want to talk about, I know that Fromers.com has a popular page on a free activity that is particular to L.A., and that would be free tickets to TV show tapings. Can we talk about that a little bit? That sounds like a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's a good example of the best things in life are free because it's absolutely fascinating to see what goes on behind the scenes of your favorite TV show. You see the show itself, and then you see the show behind the show. Each uh, TV show does it in a different way. Uh, some of them let give out tickets directly. Some use companies uh, to fill the seats. Some are very, very difficult to get into. Some you can just walk up to on the day. It really all depends. But the key thing is, if you've always wanted to get on TV, you want to dress sharply. You want to be in something that looks like uh, what's business casual, Nice, bright colors, not too many patterns. And if it's one of those shows where they show the audience, they'll put you in the front. They actually have staffers who are looking Hmm. to see who are the better looking audience members. And those (laughs) are the folks that get the better seats. We're talking about shows like um, Ellen and, uh, you know, The Late Late Show with James Corden or Jimmy Kimmel. Those are the kinds of shows that you can actually get into the audience and, and see the show and the show behind the show, as you say. Yeah, and some game shows as well. You usually will have to get to the studio about an hour in advance. The show takes longer to tape than it does to view, so expect to be there for three hours or so. And I always say dress warmly because those studios can be darn cold. That's that's great advice. What what about uh, free museums? Uh, are are there any museums that you can kind of get into either on certain days or certain times of the day, or uh, where they are either free or nearly free? Well, the Getty Museum in L.A. is always free, and that's a fabulous museum uh, with 
art from all the ages, with cutting-edge architecture, with these incredible gardens. Uh, if you're in San Diego, one of my favorite museums in one of my favorite cultural parks, Balboa Park, is the Timken Museum. And it is, it's the kind of museum you can go to but not feel overwhelmed. You know how sometimes you get museum fatigue? That doesn't happen at the Timken. It's not that big, but boy, does it have some, some real wonders. It has Russian icons, American paintings, Russian paintings. It has San Diego's only Rembrandt, which is this brooding uh, St. Bartholomew. Uh, has beautiful landscapes by Thomas Birch and Albert uh, Bierstadt. Uh, it, it's really a, a wonderful, wonderful museum and absolutely free. That, that's great. Are, are there any others? Is it, is it possible, say, to, to visit any of the California missions for free? Sure. A lot of those are free. And uh, it's a fascinating part of uh, American history. And uh, you'll find out what it was like to be in California before highways, uh, before roads, even in many places, uh, and how people survived in what had been this really pristine, gorgeous wilderness, almost an endemic place. Yeah, it really is a wonderful way to kind of look at that, look at the complex history um, of California. Um, when you when you think about it, California is filled with some fantastic places and opportunities that can be had for free. I mean, especially if you're traveling by car, there are all these really beautiful scenic drives, right? Yeah, I'm a big fan, particularly of the Pacific Coast Highway. I would say with Route 66 and a couple of others, it's probably one of the top five road trips in the United States. It goes along uh, the coastline of California. You look down often over these towering cliffs and you see dudes surfing in the beach. Uh, You come to San Simeon where Hearst Castle is. You have to pay to get into that. Not much. Uh, But if you want to do something free, you can go and see the elephant seals. There are, I think, something like 15,000 all on the shore there. It's like an outside zoo, but absolutely free and and really, really fascinating. Uh, So you're looking at the sea on one side, these million-dollar homes on another. Uh, It's it's a really, really great drive. Now, I know San Francisco has some famous and well-known free walking tours. Can you tell us a little bit about those? Yes, absolutely. They're run by volunteers, but this has to be probably the most competitive volunteer organization (laughs) you can join because the people who run them are true experts and really, really good storytellers. Uh, They're called San Francisco City Guides. Uh, They have three or four tours every day of the week, uh, usually in the morning hours, more so than the afternoon, although every once in a while there'll be some in the afternoon. And they go to different parts of San Francisco Francisco and explore different areas of the history. You might go to the area around Union Square and learn about all the bordellos that used to be there. That's a fascinating one that I just recently took. I think that's called the Shady Ladies Walk. (laughs) Really fascinating. Another time I took one of San Francisco's City Hall which is probably one of the most beautiful city halls in the United States. It's this extraordinary building. But when you take the walking tour there, it gets a little somber because you learn about Harvey Milk and where he was when he was shot and and all of the history leading up to his assassination. 
But whatever chore you take, you can be pretty much guaranteed that your guide will be absolutely fascinating and a real expert. They can answer any question you throw at them, which is incredibly impressive for volunteers, I think. And it's so amazing to think that they are free tours (laughs) to have that expertise. Yeah, absolutely. Switching gears a little bit, how about some selections that are off the urban path? Um, National parks, for example, are not free, but they are an incredible bargain. You could go to the famous Yosemite. You could go to Redwood National Park. That's an incredible place. Uh, Obviously, people know about the Redwoods. They are among the oldest living creatures on Earth. They soar up about 100 feet before they get branches, and then the branches come and they still keep going up to about 300 feet. Uh, If you want to feel like a mouse, uh, there's no better place to do it than to go to the Avenue of the Giants, which is this 31-mile stretch along uh, US 101. Uh, And it's, it's just an incredible sight to be in the presence of these primordial creatures. Really, uh, they would have been around uh, when many of the species we now live with didn't yet exist. There's also monarch butterflies fly through the state. And uh, you can go to the monarch butterfly sanctuary in Monterey between October and February. That tends to be when the uh, monarch butterflies are there in droves. Uh, And it's an extraordinary experience to be among these gorgeous uh, and sadly um, endangered critters. You know, California, of course, is known for its wine, among many other things. So for people who'd like to experience some great California wines, wineries have plentiful tasting opportunities all the time. And they may be a good deal, but not necessarily free, right? Right. You'll probably pay... Well, it really depends on the winery, maybe 7 to $15 uh, for a good hearty taste. Uh, but that's not all that's happening in wine country. Uh, you go to places like the Hess Winery, and they have a 13,000 square feet art gallery there hmm. uh, that is absolutely free to wander through. Uh, and you'll see works by modern masters like Francis Bacon uh, there. Um, You go to downtown Napa, and they have what they call an art walk. They have public works of art. I believe they have an app so you can learn about the works of art until uh, sometime in 2019, they're highlighting Western artists. That's great. Well, you know, it's it's so nice to know that you can have fun and fulfilling experiences for free or nearly free in California. Thanks so much, Pauline. Thank you. Pauline Fromer is co-president of Fromers and hosts a radio show with her father, Arthur Fromer, the creator of the legendary Europe on $5 a day. She's working on a book about Yosemite and recently published Fromer's Easy Guide to San Francisco. Thank you for listening to California Now. This podcast is produced by Visit California. I'm your host, Satirius Johnson. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Please subscribe, and you can learn more about California and plan your next visit at visitcalifornia.com slash podcast. That's where you'll find our podcast and much more information. We'll provide links to everyone and every place that you learn about here on the California Now podcast. If our talk of the mid-century modern masterpiece Sunnylands has inspired you to plan a visit to Greater Palm Springs, please visit our website, visitcalifornia.com, and start building your itinerary. You'll find insights into guided tours through the San Andreas Fault, 
info on lush luxury accommodations, and tips on the outstanding shopping and golf in the area. We hope to see you in the desert soon.